I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Wadundi and Bububun people of Wudichup in the southwest Bujara region in Nungabuja, also known as Margaret River. I acknowledge their continuing connection to the land, waters and community. I pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, and men's experiences of pleasure. This is episode number 71. And on this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Sasha Hurt. Relationships are, and have always been, the most important thing for Sasha. Born into a loving and present family in a home that sat next to a firing line in communist East Berlin, Sasha learned that the incredible power of healthy relationships from an early age. As a former professional basketball player and captain of the junior national team, he went on to travel around the world and grew into a life of successful entrepreneurship, investing, building, and managing 67-figure businesses across Europe and Asia. Fueled by his passion to understand the art of human relating, Sasha moved to Bali to explore the spiritual side of life discovering the powerful practices of meditation, yoga, and energy work. He became fascinated with helping others to appreciate and access the power of navigating relationships successfully in all areas of life. Seeing others get to the point where they can apply these skills in their lives and benefit from them has become one of his greatest pleasures. And you can find Sasha on Instagram at Sasha underscore Hurt. That's S-A-S-C-H-A underscore H-A-E-R-T, or his website, which is www.sashahurt.com. And in this episode, the two of us talk about his work with women in particular and how his clients, these women that he's worked with, uh, how they relate to the men in their lives. Something that we've both noticed is that women that do a lot of work whose partners don't end up becoming coaches for their partner, um, which is not a fantastic dynamic to be in uh, with your partner. You want to be your partner's partner. So we talk about that. We also talk about our differing opinions regarding semen retention and sexual practices. Uh, Sasha asked me point blank what my thoughts were and um, and challenged me and we had a bit of a discussion about this. So it's really uh, enjoyable to, to kind of have my beliefs uh, reaffirmed or, or you know, tested and to have to uh, teach and explain. Uh, I really like doing that. So enjoyable conversation with Sasha. I hope you enjoy listening. Purpose of foreplay is to cause the vagina to lubricate so that the penis can penetrate more easily. During sexual intercourse between a man and a woman, sperms are placed in the vagina of the woman by the penis of the man. Let me at this point make a clear-cut scientific statement. Masturbation is not harmful. My first invitation to you, mate, is I would love to just hear from the horse's mouth, from yourself, uh, what it is that you're passionate about, man, and what it is that you're doing and, and why you're doing the work that you're doing. Uh, I just want to get to know you a little bit more, man. So that's my invitation to you. Great invitation. You know, when you talk about passion, I think it's such a wide topic. You can talk about so many things. I have so many passions. You know, there's so many things that I desire and I really love doing. But a few of those that are very close to heart is one, obviously, the coaching and is two, um, helping people to get access to their own power, you know, which in this case, I kind of want to separate those two because one is like very, very mainstream um, with Yogi Lab. Like that's one of the things like the Spiritual Hustle Club that we do, like really give people access to their own power through all the different ancient techniques and modern biohacking tools and all those kind of stuff we can go all that um, into that a little bit deeper but the other one is like one-on-one -on -one coaching like i love doing this i love seeing my clients just like elevate to a whole nother level that they didn't even think they have this potential and you know you can do this in sometimes just in a couple sessions sometimes it's a few months you know and it's super super powerful and yeah man that that part and especially for me because i only work with women which is interesting because like your audience is all men and i only work with women um, is something that I'm super, super passionate about. Yeah, cool, man. Well, let, let's talk about that one-on-one -on -one coaching then. How did you, um, well, I'm interested in, in your personal philosophy about why you only work with women. That's something that jumped out to me straight away. So uh, yeah, point blank, man. Why do you only work with women? What's up with that? You know, in the beginning, like, it's not like I rejected it, but 
I didn't really want to go down this path because I felt like, no, I'm not going to be one of those life coaches and high performance and all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, I don't want to be one of those. Uh, and here I am being one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it happened very naturally. It happened very, very naturally. Like, it was just like, I can go to, to a cafe, I can walk at the beach and like random women that I never talked to about, they just come to me and tell, tell me everything about them. Like they're intimate the most intimate insecurities, darkest, deepest, um, like shadows. And, you know, we just like go there straight away. And I just had to accept the fact like, okay, there's something that I somewhat bring to the table that allows them to drop in and like really express. And I think the biggest part of it is actually the power of polarity. I talk a lot about the power of polarity because, you know, sometimes we need the other sex in order to like, go somewhere, you know? And I realized that actually at a very young age myself, whenever I have an issue, whenever I have a problem or something that I really need to solve, I always consulted a woman. Why? Because I want to look at this thing from all perspectives and angles. And if I don't consult a woman, if I don't consult females, then I'm missing a whole nother angle of this thing before I can really make a like proper conscious decision. And I think it obviously works the other way around as well. You know, one man speak in a different way than women. We look, think, and act in different ways. So that just allows us to like go to places that otherwise, if I just talk to men or women just talk to women, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go there. They would never consider it. And I think that polarity and the power of it, that's one of the, the crucial parts why, why I think it works to work as a man with women and vice versa. Yeah, nice, man. Thanks for speaking into that. And I resonate with it, man. You know, my, I've, I've said before, and, and I'll say it again, my personal philosophy is like to only work with men, because that's what my lived experience is. And that's what I can speak into with authority, right? Um, but I also encourage the men that I work with to seek out information and education from women. And the reason why is because like a very simple example is like, I don't have sex with men. You know what I mean? Like my, I, I can, but I, I coach a lot of guys who have sex with women. Um, and so something that is, you know, really valuable is learning from someone who has sex with men, what it's like to be with a guy who's open about his sexuality and who's communicative and who's holding that presence and holding that space and doing all the things that I'm teaching them how to do. Right? I've never been on the receiving end of a guy like that because I've never had you know, sex with a man. But I know, you know all these amazing women that do have sex with men that have been on the receiving end of a man, uh, a man who is doing the work. And I've also you know, had experiences of men who haven't done the work. So you know, I can, I can say to these guys as much as I want, do this, do that. It's going to be really great. She's going to be really receptive to it. But it lands a lot more powerfully, I think, if there's a woman who can say, when you do this, we as women feel this way. And they go, oh, my God, it's coming straight from you know, a woman who's actually you know, had that experience. So I definitely think there's um, that diversity and inclusivity of, of perspectives is really important, as you were kind of sharing. Um, and yes, I'm interested yes, in, in... Oh, yeah, Sorry. go ahead, man. No, no, go there's ahead. Another... Okay, helicopters here. There's another <laughs> very interesting part... Um, which is if we as men, like we have so much testosterone, there's so much masculinity in there and we love more unconsciously, actually, like we use a lot of ego, right? But if we talk, consult, educate ourselves from a perspective of like listening to a woman that puts us in a position of like being a little bit more, not necessarily submissive, but like very receptive and which drops the ego. And I think that's like so important for like healthy dynamics between men and women that we can drop that ego. Um, and obviously that's the other way around as well. But especially for men, like often that's a big thing. No, I don't, I don't need to listen to a woman. Like there's no point. Like I know better, like all that bullshit, you know. Um, so shifting that mindset is actually really, really good too. Totally, man. What is it that you specifically coach on? I know you said you didn't want to be one of those quote unquote life coach guys, but what what are you helping these women with when they come and see you for one-on-one -on -one coaching? The biggest part is confidence, you know, like really allowing them to step into their truest potential and power. Um, and the easiest way to do that and basically changing the dynamics between men and women. I just talked about this a little bit, but I think 
often the dynamics between men and women are not balanced. And I grew up in a very, very balanced household. Like I had the fairy tale childhood. And for a long time, I didn't even talk about this. But what I, what I realized, which was my normal, is like this is a really healthy way of, to engage with each other. And often that's just not the case. And changing that dynamic, the power dynamics that you often find between men and women, and like actually balancing it out, I think it's so much easier for the woman to step up her game instead of trying the men to like change their behaviors in order to like meet them where it's really healthy. And if a man is just not open for it, at some point the woman is just going to rise above. And then like, she's like, you know what? I don't need to deal with this guy. I deserve better. I can better. Like I, I can have someone who communicates in a way that's actually respectful in all matters, you know? And I found that way more enriching for myself as well to work with women, to get them to that place instead of working with men. It's like, no, no, you need to work on your ego. You need to work on your communication skills and all that stuff. Mm, interesting, man. I'm, I'm curious, like, what is personal power to you? Like, how do you define that? You know, it's, I've, I've kind of got my own interpretation when you share, but w- what is it to you? How do you, how do you describe it? It is... Um, in a nutshell, I would say it's like being the most capable human being that you can be in anything that's been thrown at you, you know how to handle it. You're not getting thrown overboard. You, you're emotional, very skillfully um, adaptable to whatever is like happening in your life. And you're not blaming any type of emotional blackmail um, towards someone else. Like you own your own shit, you know? And if you can do that, like you really step into your power. Yeah, beautiful, and man. People will resonate, you know, and that's just like you ultimately what it does is like it puts you in a position of being truly authentic and real. Mm. Yeah, I love that, dude. And, and I think there's like, if I, if I bring this back into the work that I do, something that I notice, especially in heterosexual sex is like a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of women not like to use your turn of phrase, not stepping into their power in the bedroom in a sexual context and, and really just kind of putting up with sex or just kind of tolerating shitty sex because that's kind of like how we've conditioned uh, straight people in society is like, you know, guys are supposed to just inherently know what they're doing and <laughs> we don't, you know, uh, and women are just supposed to be the passive recipients of sex and and kind of hand the reins over to the male in in the sexual encounter which is not conducive for good sex because you know she's not speaking up about what turns her on and what she wants and he's typically floundering and and just trying to do what he thinks is right and typically it's not very good so it's a it's a recipe for a shitty experience and and so one of the things that can be really helpful in that context in that scenario is the woman in that that relationship or the woman in that sexual encounter just kind of going, hey, this is what I fucking like. This is what I want. And just kind of really claiming her sexuality, claiming her pleasure, claiming her desire and being like, no, don't do that because I don't like that. Do this instead because this is what turns me on. This is what I experience pleasure from. And kind of using, you know, what you were saying before, having that confidence to, you know, to to kind of step into that and be like, no, this is, you know, this is the direction I want to go and I don't want to keep on, you know, going at this lower level. I want to step up into, into better sex, into, into more pleasure. Um, you know, and, and a lot of guys are fearful of that. And so um, something that I wanted to, to ask you about is, is, you know, you're doing a lot of work with these women who are you know, stepping into their personal power, becoming more confident, becoming more um, powerful. And I'm wondering, you know, do you, do you um, hear from these women that, men are getting intimidated by them or men are getting uh you know uh yeah i guess intimidated is the is the word that comes to mind you know because there's that shift in dynamics which a lot of men aren't used to so i'm wondering is that something that pops up in in the work that you do for sure like the intimidation definitely happens specifically with men that are very much in their own box and they think they know everything um, but then obviously if you have conscious men who are a little bit more woke and they're like, okay, like I'm, I'm down for the work too, they actually appreciate it, you know, and there's way more respect. And one thing that I always tell most of my clients, I have to tell them is like, look, you can't expect someone else to beat your mind. You know, like, I don't know what you like. I don't know what's your, as you said, like, I don't know what you really like feel pleasure with. You know, there's so many things that there's just this. This idea that men know everything 
where women are not allowed to speak up, but ultimately if they actually do, they can experience life way more to the fullest than not speaking up and like making themselves small. And, and I think that's why comfortability with confidence and just like speaking up and like voicing your truth is so important because it allows them to just like experience so much more of life and not settling for less, which is a big one, you know, and you just mentioned in the bedroom, like a lot of women and it's, man, if you know, like what kind of terrible stories I have heard, you know, what kind of sexual experience women have, um, one, because they don't speak up, but two, because men are just like not, not present. They're like very selfish they're not really like trying to please their partner. It's just about their own like quick ejaculation and like having their like quick high and then like go to bed and sleep. It's like, it's just so unhealthy. And unfortunately, a lot of women, they just think that's, that's the way it is. You know, there's no other way. Um, but yeah, once, once they understand that there is so much more and they can have that, if they step into their power, then there's a big shift happening. Yeah. And that's like the other side of the coin is the work that I do, I suppose, is like one of the things that I teach men straight off the bat is like, ask your partner what she likes, like just fucking pay attention, you know, just be curious and be open and actually, you know, initiate that conversation. You know, there's a lot of this, like men are supposed to be the initiators. Men are supposed to be the dominant, you know, uh, person in the bedroom. You know, men are supposed to be the leader, so to speak. And so I kind of take that idea and I'm like, okay, that's great. Like you can do that. You can be the dominant assertive leader in the bedroom, but here's how you can do it in a really beneficial, healthy, caring, positive, compassionate way. That's like conducive for mutual pleasure. And you know, instead of it being like leading in a hierarchical kind of sense with, you know, delegating and telling what to do, it's like leading from this horizontal sense or this, this um, kind of lateral sense of being like, Hey, I'm, I, I'm open. I want to, I want to explore more pleasure. Like, what are you into? Like, let's, let's dive into that. Let's kind of almost like leading from example, I suppose, leading by being vulnerable and saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm ready. Like let's, let's jump into this. And, and so that's, that's the, the, the work that I do, I suppose, is, is shifting men's mindsets around sex. Uh, and then hopefully, you know, one of the biggest hindrances I have is, um, is kind of the reverse of, of what you're um, describing is the guys that are working with me that have a partner who's not interested in you know doing any sexuality stuff she's maybe like really resistant to um him practicing like ejaculation retention for example or she's really resistant to um them doing anything other than just kind of the narrow missionary style sex because that's what she's done her whole life and there's uh, there's a big challenge and so i'm working with him i'm not working with them as a couple so i'm giving him exercises to do and um and he's coming back to me saying or my partner's, you know, she's not really interested in doing this. She doesn't really want to support that type of growth um, in the in the sexual sense. Um, or there's a whole bunch of other stuff that might be going on. So, um, yeah, so it, it does kind of happen in, in both regards as well, where especially if you're in a, in a relationship, if one partner's kind of not ready or not willing to do the work and you kind of outgrow them, then you've got a um, an interesting dynamic to kind of work through. And um, something that I... I notice in the space and I'm wondering if this is something you've encountered is obviously a lot of women doing some really amazing work, uh, especially kind of sexually, I suppose. Um, there's a lot of like women's sexual liberation, sexual empowerment kind of stuff out there. Um, but not as much for men, I will say. And so we're getting a lot of these women that are really stepping into their confidence, into their power in a sexual sense like really taking the lead sexually and wanting to go deeper and wanting to experience more pleasure, their male partner is kind of lagging behind. And the relationship that I kind of see playing out or the dynamic that I see playing out is those kind of women turning into coaches for their partner, being like, hey, you should do this and, and you know, you should try this instead. And, um, and in that, you know, relationship dynamic, a lot of men get very reluctant and very resistant to, to being coached by their partner or to being like, kind of told what to do or being mothered even by their by their female partner. Uh, and so something that I, I tell women that are doing this work to be mindful of is like, don't, well, try not to be the coach in your relationship. Try to be the lover, right? Your, your partner's lover rather than your partner's coach um, and encourage your partner to go out and do the work themselves rather than them doing the work with you because then you're a coach-client dynamic, not a partner-partner dynamic. And I'm, I'm wondering, is that, something that the women that you work with have 
have noticed that you've noticed with them um, as they kind of step up and their partner's lagging behind that they kind of wear a coaching hat and, and how do they navigate that space? I know what you mean, but I have a different approach here. Or at least what I see with my clients more, they're just so encouraged to do the work, you know, maybe in communication and like sexual education and like really getting to know themselves on deeper level, like business, like, you know, there's so much and they just do the work and they want to encourage their partner to come with them. If they don't, they still going to keep rising. And at some point there's just a second, if you follow me, like we're just not on the same level anymore. So if you don't step up your game too, then sooner or later, like I'm going to be gone. Cause I feel like there's more to life. I want more, you know, and if the man is so stuck into the, in, in the box, it's like, no, this is me. This is how I do things. Like, I don't need to grow. I don't need to evolve. And like, you know, then it's like, okay, fine. We've been on this like beautiful journey of like, partnership for a long time together. Beautiful. Thank you. Like a lot of gratitude, but I feel like now we're just going a little bit into a different path. Um, so I, I, I actually see more, more often than not, that women at some point rather choose the path of separation and like really following their dreams, following their passions and desires and like not setting for less anymore. If the, the partner is not willing to do their part, you know, um, which also feels into, cause a lot of women who don't do that, they want more, but they're not willing to step really into like their, their true self. It's because they have so much insecurity of being alone. If you're, if you're confident, like you, you don't have any fear around that. It's like, yeah, I can be alone. Yeah. I am rather be alone than being in a relationship that doesn't satisfy and doesn't make me happy, you know? So there's the big difference. Once they're like really step into their power and feeling empowered, then there's no way back of going back to something that's not really fully in alignment anymore. Yeah. That, this is interesting, man, because I don't see a lot of people talking about like, conscious uncoupling or you know this idea of of leaving a relationship when you've outgrown it right there's a lot of you know um there's a lot of relationship coaches out there and i see a lot of relationship work about like how to make a relationship work you know what is what makes a sacred relationship whatever um but i don't see a lot of people talking about like you know or just being the hard truth of like if this relationship isn't serving you anymore you like you can leave an option is you can leave you can you can say no to that relationship and you can you can get out of there and um and so that you identify that kind of big fear of like oh if i leave this relationship i'm gonna i'm gonna be alone um what are some other or if i mean if you if you know any what are some other fears or what are some other things that are you know blocking or you know creating resistance for people to leave relationships maybe particularly women that kind of finding themselves in, in one of those relationships that aren't really beneficial for them what are some things that are, that are stopping them from leaving um one codependency they just put themselves in that relationship in a position that they're not really a sovereign being like truly sovereign being they don't have their own business they don't or like have their own job they're like quite often very dependent on like the income or the house and like the the livelihood um of their partners and so that's a big one then in communication it's rejection and then the third one i think is just being alone and not feeling comfortable and like confident enough to be alone rather than in an unhappy unsatisfied relationship so i think those are the the, the three major ones actually yeah yeah and Do it's you sad have... because like oh yeah we live only one so it's it's super sad to me because like we live only once we have only a very limited time here on this planet you know and then we choose consciously choose to in an unhappy situation which we already know like it's not going to change if you do if you've done the work and if you try to really figure things out like together and it doesn't work is still consciously choose to stay in there because of the fear to be alone instead of getting out of it and have a potential to find something that's so much better you know you're limiting yourself from like more beauty and more satisfaction in your life because you consciously choose no, I'd rather stay there because I feel too insecure to take that step. And Is that's there, baffling. Yeah, I feel you, man. And and um, I'm interested in like that codependency piece of like 
you're in a situation where you're dependent upon your partner for i mean to 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 kind of live i suppose right like you if you don't have your own income and your partner's kind of financially in control then it's pretty tough for you to be able to go out on your own and and so i'm wondering is part of your work um helping women in an entrepreneurial sense or in like a small business sense and and kind of building up their own ability to to be financially independent yeah um yes and no like usually my clients they are entrepreneurs already they have their own businesses they are to a certain extent quite established but there's still a lot of room and you know i'm german so anything that's connected to systems structure like more efficiency productivity all that kind of stuff like in businesses like i'll help them with that to basically make more money in less time you know in a nutshell that's what everyone wants like work less and like still make the same amount or more money so have more time for family or have more time to like you know follow my hobbies stuff um <clears throat> so that's one big part the other big part is obviously just working on their confidence because Sometimes those women that are very powerful in their business area, they are so much into their masculine, they don't find the man that actually wants to be with them because like a man, usually they're protectors and providers. They want someone who's like taking care of them, like nurtures them, which is a role of the female. Um, and, and that part they're basically lacking, like embracing their feminine because they always have to be in their masculine so much. So then like I'm trying to rebalance that relationship within themselves between masculine and feminine to allow them to step closer to, you know, have a fulfilling relationship or finding like the dream partners. And there's so many things that you can do, you know, and we all have shit to work on, you know, men, women at any, like, it doesn't matter how successful we are. There's always shit to work on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, man, what are some practices you give to these women to help drop them into that kind of feminine space or help them feel a little bit more sensual and 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 feminine and sexual rather than being in that kind of masculine um orientation so one of my clients that i uh, had right now she just finished um she she loves dancing but she never dances so it became a routine for her every day three songs to dance like really drop into her body like being a little bit more in touch with like who she is, like, you know, how does she feel? How does she want to express her emotions through movement and dance? Um, another thing is just like coming home and, you know, do a bath. And because often we're like so caught up. It's like, no, just like quick, quick, this and that. It's like, no, you're going to take an hour right now and do some self-care. And maybe like for a massage, um, you know, just go on dates just be at home, put some cannons on, read a book, like have a glass of wine if you like drinking wine and just like sit in a bathtub and like really like nurture yourself. Just like getting more in touch with your feminine side. Um, and those are very feminine things. Like women usually love doing those things. Obviously not all of them, but most of them is like, yeah, self-nurturing is really important. And often we neglect those times. It's the same for men. I guess you can agree on that. Like we as men, we're like so caught up in like, more more work more business more money blah 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 like we're, we're not taking care of ourselves either you know yeah yeah i so think that's that, like, like one of the yeah I, I i like that man i like the idea of just kind of like connecting back to your body connecting back to yourself and just kind of like just taking a break man you know like we're so conditioned um you you, you mentioned and, and joked that you're german so this will probably land for you but we're conditioned to be like you know really just productive members of society and just kind of be efficient and effective and get the job done and and don't waste time and make more money and and you know be these kind of um just be like machines right and just kind of like go through those motions and and always be at our 100 percent. if we ever slip it's like you know seen as a bit of a failure or or, um, or we're not being um, you know, our, our best self or whatever. Um, and so our, a lot of our self-worth is tied up into that as well. Um, you know, and, and we bring that mentality uh, into, at least I see it, at least we, we bring it uh, into the bedroom as well. You know, sex has to be successful. It has to be um, efficient. It has to be uh, productive, right? Sex usually has to produce something. If there's no ejaculation or there's no orgasm or there's no baby, then, you know, then what was the point you know um but sex sex can fall into that self-care category that that you know taking time for yourself right self-pleasure can be a part of that you know sex with a partner can be part of it It doesn't have to be this productive successful 
thing where there's an end goal and if you don't achieve that end goal at the end then you failed in some respect you know some weird respect so um so yeah getting out of that mentality just on a you know regular basis of like you know spending an hour a day or, or a couple of minutes a day just kind of going okay i just want to take some time for myself rejuvenate recuperate um you know revitalize all those re words revamping you know reconnecting um and just spending that time uh, connecting and i like this um I read something a while ago because, uh, you know, we use the term masculine and feminine, you know, a lot in, or we've been using it in this conversation. We use it a lot in, in this kind of space, I suppose. And, you know, I, I asked you what's a, what's a tool to kind of drop into the feminine. Uh, and then you said, you know, you've got a client who, you know, every day does three songs a day, you know, and dances. And it's like, the, and so it's just interesting to me. And, and I, this is what this post was about. was like the, the, there's still masculinity and, and masculine energy within that as well, right? The routine, the three songs, the time that you're taking, um, you know, if it's every every day at the same time, like that is the masculine energy. But then there's also the feminine energy of like, oh, I'm still dancing and I'm still connecting to my body. Um, similar with like, you know, taking a, taking an hour on a Thursday afternoon to do some self-care. It's like, You've got that, you know, the time and space oriented masculine of like Thursday afternoons for one hour at this time, you know, and if it's regular, you know, or if there's a particular thing that you do, it's like, I have, I draw the bath, I, I do this action, I, you know, I, you know, it's, it's just like this interesting, uh, the, the terms masculine and feminine, I, I feel like are too limiting for us, you know, there's, because um, there's still this masculine within the feminine and the feminine kind of within the masculine, if we're using those words. So, um, which is why, I said I really resonate with like nourishing and self-nourishing and, and you know, connecting back into your body, getting more like descriptive about what it is that you're actually doing and what the intention is with that particular practice uh, rather than just saying, oh, this is a masculine practice or this is a feminine practice. It's like, well, no, this is a practice intended for connecting back in with my sensuality, right? And regardless of what that practice looks like, if the intention was to connect back to your sexuality, then hopefully that's, you know, what it is that you're, you're, you're kind of doing. Um, does that make sense? Like, I feel like I just kind of rambled a little bit, but yeah. I love the topic. And I think, you know, sometimes you have to take the other part. Like in this case, if we take the dance example, you have to bring in the masculine and like enforce a little bit to break the habit and allow her to step a little bit more into her feminine, you know? And at the same time, Structures and routines, to me, like structures and routines give you freedom. If you don't have structure in your life, like you're basically lacking on a lot of freedom. I think there's a big misconception or, well, too much structure. I'm not free. I don't can't be, I cannot be spontaneous and like blah, blah, blah. I don't, I, I actually believe it's the opposite. You know, if you're just floating around, you think you have a lot of freedom, but at the same time, you, you don't really. Like if you bring some structure, not like crazy, like you can obviously like overextend this whole thing, um, which I like to do. Um, and within that, like there's playtime, you know, there's certain days, certain evenings, certain times throughout the day where I'm just like, I can do whatever the hell I want. That's my playtime. It is kind of structured, but it gives me freedom within without like letting go of my responsibilities and like, you know, anything else that's important in my life and that I need to have structured and like organized in order to have that freedom to just like fuck around and do whatever. And I think that's why masculine is so important to actually balance combine those two instead of looking at them separately. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, I resonate with that. And, and I think back to, I think it was, I think this is an example from David Data where he talks about like what the quote unquote masculine is looking for, which is like, it's looking for freedom and um the kind of analogy that he uses is um he uses like like young men versus older men like the immature way of seeking freedom versus the mature way of seeking freedom and he uses like okay when when men are younger very stereotypically again this is broad strokes i guess but you know you know a lot of younger guys don't want to commit they want to kind of be you know they want to play the field and they want to you know kind of feel free you said you know you said to 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 fuck around in a kind of you know just general sense but that a lot of guys just want to fuck around in a very literal sense you know they want to they want to be have the freedom to kind of be non-committal and have a lot of casual sex 
um, which is a sense of, you know, there's, there's freedom in that, I suppose, you know, that's one way of, of getting freedom. Um, arguably it could be seen as not super beneficial or not super maybe healthy. Um, but there's like this other sense of freedom or this other, this mature way of seeking freedom, which is within the context of, and David Ada uses the context of a, of a relationship where there's the freedom to like, let your guard down and the freedom to, to be yourself and the freedom to be seen and to be witnessed and to be, um, you know, to be vulnerable and to, to be held in that and to like, um, and just like to let go and to surrender the freedom of surrender, I suppose. And, um, and so I, I find that, uh, that that's just, that's what popped into my head when you were talking about, you know, having that freedom and, and, you know, I guess within a relationship, there's that kind of metaphorical structure, right? You've got this kind of, you know, perimeter, if you've had a conversation with your partner, there's a perimeter or a boundary, I suppose you could call it in your relationship of like, okay, this is the container that we're in. We're either in a monogamous relationship or a monogamish relationship or a polyamorous or whatever type of open relationship that you're in or non-traditional relationship, but there is a container there. There's, there's a structure to it in some kind of, you know, energetic sense. Um, and so within that, you've got the ability to find that kind of deeper, freedom if you're using kind of david data's analogy so you know i quite like the idea of structure allowing for the freedom to to let go or, or to to play you know to use your your example yeah i love that and i 100 agree it totally resonates with me hey there thank you so much for listening to my podcast i hope you're enjoying this episode i just wanted to chime in here with a plug for my online men's course it's called outperform a porn star it goes for six weeks and it's all about experiencing multiple orgasms overcoming any uh, sexual dysfunctions reframing your whole performance mindset around sex to be more pleasure oriented we talk about communicating with your partner being a sexual leader and all of this amazing stuff so if you're interested in learning how to outperform a porn star, head to my website, www.cam-fraser.com. Uh, let's get back to this episode. You know, I want to switch topics for a second because you, you brought up semen retention earlier today. Yeah. And I just saw um, like a post that you just like, recently did about semen retention. I got a little bit curious. So I want to I know your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, man. Just give me a quick, just a quick breakdown. I'm super curious because I'm like, yeah, go ahead first. Okay. Okay. So, um, all right. So I see a lot of, uh, teachers, male, female, whoever, um, in the sexuality space kind of saying, you know, we should be not ejaculating. We should be practicing semen retention. And, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with that 100%. You know what I mean? Like I, I think there's value in taking a break from ejaculation right there's a lot of um there's a lot of stories that we have around ejaculation for example like i, I sometimes call it the unspoken symbology of ejaculation right so um for example the ejaculation is typically a symbol or it symbolizes that the the man has has orgasmed or has had a good time right if if uh we talked about being productive before, right? With regards to being, you know, sexual. If uh, he didn't come, if he didn't ejaculate, then, you know, did he really enjoy himself? Did he really actually have a good time? You know, what, what was the point? A lot of guys, when I say, you know, try experiment with no ejaculating, they're like, well, what the fuck is the point of masturbating or having sex if I'm not going to ejaculate? There's that kind of mentality of that's the reason for it. Um, so there's this goal orientation around ejaculation. A lot of a lot of people, whether they're consciously aware of it or not, are making the goal of their sexual experience, whether they're alone or with a partner, that ejaculation. Um, you know, a, a, another s symbol of ejaculation is um, it, it symbolizes the end of a sexual encounter for a lot of couples. Right? If the guy comes, sex is over. Very typically, that's the kind of the way that it's framed. Um, again, so that's focused on like his function or sexuality or his pleasure, um, not necessarily on maybe her pleasure or on the pleasure of, of them as a couple. So, um, so by taking ejaculation off the table, right, by just kind of making that intentional decision to retain, right, to not ejaculate, you can really mindfully 
challenge those stories. You can, you know, if, if you're not ejaculating, you're saying, hey, I'm not going to ejaculate today. And your partner's kind of like, cool, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to go for that. Dude, what else is there then? You, you Like you open up this, you know, the world is your oyster kind of thing. You're like, fuck, what, what else can we do then? If we're not striving towards ejaculation, then, you know, oh, it gives you this opportunity, this amazing opportunity to go, okay, cool. Well, let's focus on other shit then. Let's focus on pleasure. Let's focus on you, right? Let's focus on your body. Let's focus on, um, you know, other, other parts of my own body because if I focus too much on my cock, I'm going to want to come real quick. So let's focus on other things. And, um, and so taking ejaculation off the table, even like the question, like, well, when does sex end? You know, if he's not coming, when do we finish? You know, like what's the, what's the whole protocol for that? Like a lot of couples go like, I don't really know when to stop then if, if he's not ejaculating because that's what has been for so long the, the signifier that we're finished. So, um, so I think that's really like, that can be really valuable with experimenting with not ejaculating. Where I think that, I mean, I haven't even spoken about like the, I'll say pseudoscience of semen retention as well, because there's, you know, I've read the science, I've read the journal articles. There's not a lot of evidence to, to back up all these claims about semen retention being, you know, um, testosterone boosting and things like that. Yes, there's one study with a very small sample size that showed that there was a increase in serum levels of testosterone seven days after ejaculating. That t- that that study has never been re- replicated. It's never been repeated, right? Obviously, there's a broader issue here of like, okay, well, obviously we need to do more studies into ejaculation and masturbation. That's a no-brainer. Of course, we do. We just it's very hard to get funding to do those types of studies. Um, so, and you know, so there are, there are little pieces of evidence here and there to suggest things with regards to, you know, for example, prolactin increasing after ejaculation. And we know that prolactin has an inverse relationship with dopamine. So if you've got high prolactin, you've got low dopamine. And when you ejaculate, you get high prolactin. Um, dopamine has got this connection to testosterone as well. They kind of mediate one another. So you know, if you've got low dopamine then it's going to affect your testosterone production and things like that so there is kind of snippets of information but we don't have like the full picture yet so anyone that says conclusively that semen retention does this is at least in my mind not representing the the actual science very well um but that's beside the point the the the, um the crux of like what i'm getting at here is like when we focus too much on not ejaculating when we focus too much on not doing something that that in my mind is the wrong way of going about things right like um, i think in the video that you're referencing i used like the pink elephant analogy i'm like i want you to not think about a giant pink elephant in the corner of your room and you know in order to to not think about that giant pink elephant you first got to imagine it in order to then repress it right and so i feel like we're doing the same thing with semen retention we're focusing on not ejaculating but in order to focus on not ejaculating the first thing that comes up into your brain because that's how our brain works is ejaculating oh god i've got to not do that thing right which is convoluted in my opinion um and so instead of and so instead of teaching semen retention and i i say i don't practice semen retention yes i practice you know abstaining from ejaculating for a couple of weeks at a time um but but what i teach and what i think is more conducive to this work is conscious ejaculation so when you do choose to ejaculate right rather than kind of like oh god i'm practicing semen retention practicing semen retention i'm 30 days i'm 60 days i'm 80 days oh no i've just had a relapse which is how semen retention is framed right within a lot of these nofap in semen retention communities, if you come, it's like a relapse, like a drug, like an addiction, like this really negative thing that you've ejaculated, which I think is a horrible thing to frame your ejaculation experience as because it's a really beautiful, potent, powerful, life-giving you know, experience that you're having with an ejaculation. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of shaming going on and a lot of guilt associated with ejaculation when we have that really strong semen retention mind frame. Um, but instead, what if we focus on like, Oh, I'm going to make the decision to consciously ejaculate with kind of awareness, with mindfulness of all those things of it depleting your energy. Yes, you can be mindful of all that, but you know, can you 
can you then be mindful like what are you putting back into your body in order to recuperate your energy to um to you know to to um stoke your virility again if you're worried about like you know ejaculation being this thing that you know diminishes your virility like warm almond milk with some uh, goji berries and some medjool dates you know and some cacao afterwards you know so you're replenishing the ogis that you've just lost when you ejaculate if that's the kind of mentality that you have um but but then even beyond that it's like what about the the times where you can ejaculate and you can use ejaculation to really move stagnant energy like ejaculation is this really dense according to chinese medicine at least dense heavy energy you know it's called you know connected to jing uh, you know in in tcm um and jing is stored in this kind of lower dantian of the body this lower cauldron of the body also known as the emotional cauldron right we're all it's kind of like around the heart around the belly where all of our fears and anxieties and all the all the shit all the baggage that's weighing us down kind of like sediment it settles down into the into the pelvic area into the lower bowl um the lower dantian when you ejaculate you are losing that that jing you're you know according to tcm you're you're kind of losing some of that energy from that that vital life-giving area of your hara um but connected to that area is all that shit you've been holding on to so you can use ejaculation as a tool to kind of flush out that crap that you've been holding on to to kind of let go of shit you've been that's been weighing you down and it's kind of sometimes why like if you come home from a long day of work and you're feeling f- like just fucked because of the, the day of work and you just like go and masturbate and you know and and ejaculate and you kind of feel this like weight lifted off your shoulders like oh thank god like i can relax and i can kind of let go and that kind of tension has left your body that frustration has left your body a lot of guys are doing that unwittingly or unknowingly you know using ejaculation as an energetic tool to let go of the stuff that they've been holding on to so we can we can use ejaculation really mindfully really consciously to move that stagnant energy i disagree on that yeah yeah well i'd love to hear why man because i mean i'm i'm practicing it quite regularly you know 30 days 44 days right now on day 50 i'm gonna go for 90 maybe longer and the the reason why i'm doing it because like i mean one if you ejaculate as a man like obviously you feel depleted you gave all your energy like that's why if a man comes they're like basically want to go to sleep right see i would challenge that all the energy Okay, cool. But let me continue. Like, I'm yeah, happy yeah, yeah. to. This is cool. Um, <clears throat> but the other thing, like, if a man, like, feels, like, all stressed out and he comes home, jerks off, and, like, all of a sudden feels relaxed, it's basically, like, the ejaculation itself is just, like, a very simple avoidant tool of not really dealing with the emotions that you have to deal with. It's, like, taking the pill or taking a drug in order to, like, not feel those things and, like, numb yourself from, what, from the things that are actually going on. And we all know like sex is very often used as a tool of not really dealing with your emotional state. And so what I'm doing when I'm practicing semen retention is actually I go way deeper into my meditative states. Why? Because like the energy that I have inside, one, I'm not depleting it and giving it away. Two, I'm using basically my energetic system to go through my body and use that energy instead of like giving it away you know so i think there's there's a very very powerful it's a very powerful tantric practice and tool to use semen retention to one go way deeper into like what's really going on inside use your the, the energy to go deep into your meditative states and i know a lot of people don't meditate unfortunately you know um but <clears throat> otherwise i feel like it's we're just following the cycle of like giving our energy away instead of understanding how to really work with the energy that we have inside instead of like letting go of it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, man. And, and what I'm not advocating for is for guys to just come home and jerk off every day after work. And that's, that's definitely not what I'm, I'm encouraging. What I, what I see though is a lot of guys doing that because ejaculation, at least in my mind, is a tool and um and we can use it as a tool we can use it really mindfully but a lot of guys aren't doing that and they're doing they're using it as a tool in a really unhealthy way right they're using it as a tool to escape right but we can use it as a tool to clear and learning how to do that is you know again that essentially is what i teach is you know getting 
attuned to those energetics, attuned to like what it is that you're holding uh, onto, what it is that you're trying to clear, not just going through the motions and just kind of letting shit go. And especially not doing that with your partner as well. A lot of guys come home and they have sex and they'll, you know, not only biologically unload, right? Ejaculate, but they'll energetically unload onto slash into their female partner or their partner in general. Again, unwittingly, unknowingly in a really unhealthy and unconscious way. But we can learn how to use ejaculation to move stagnant energy. I'm not saying we do it every single day. Um, and I, again, I certainly don't do it every single day. I have a, my own um, conscious ejaculation practice. Um, typically, it's if I'm in an ideal world, it's every month on the full moon. Um, but another way of doing this is like going out into nature and, you know, using the using the earth to 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 ground your seed to ground your energy to give back to to the planet like ejaculation is this really potent powerful thing your your semen is this really potent powerful thing and if you can use that to manifest to create to to like mice like you've you've got a you've got a a child i've got a son like that came partly from an ejaculation you know and and after that particular ejaculation, we know exactly when we conceived because we did a whole conscious conception practice. Like I didn't feel drained or depleted at all after that particular ejaculation. And there's been plenty of times, especially now that I, I have my own um, conscious ejaculation practice where I don't feel drained or depleted after ejaculation at all. And you know, there's plenty of guys when I start to teach them how to use ejaculation in a really mindful, meaningful, conscious way, feel really invigorated and lighter after an ejaculation because they're using it to clear shit or they're using it to manifest or they're using it in this really positive beneficial not only energetically beneficial way but kind of physically um beneficial way then they're, they're not just jerking off like a chimpanzee until they ejaculate as quickly as possible it's that it's part of a full self-pleasure practice where they're nourishing their body with touch and with oil and with you know they're anointing certain things and they're consecrating their ejaculation so i think there's more nuance to like this whole conversation rather than just being like ejaculation is bad slash ejaculation is good. I think there's like this range in the spectrum of like, okay, we can have all these different experiences with ejaculation. It doesn't always have to be depleting and it doesn't have to always be deleterious. Like, you know, it, it's made out to be in, in a lot of the semen retention community. Um, and it's not always this great thing, right? As well. Sometimes ejaculation can be deleterious and depleting and can sap our energy, um, but it isn't so black and white. And a lot of the conversations that I see in the sexuality space are very black and white, and there's, they're missing this kind of nuanced gray area, um, which is why I'm, I'm glad you challenged me on it, man, because I wanted to, um, uh, yeah, I wanted to hear what you had to say. And I, I wanted to, to try and represent my kind of point of view as well, because I do butt heads with some of the semen retention and nofap community, unfortunately, because they're very, they're very like, nope, this is how it is. And, and they're not necessarily open to, to hearing other points of view. And that's sad. You know, everyone who's like, so, so like very much in their own confirmation bias, it's like, it's just, we're putting ourselves in a box and like, we're ending up in this self-deception, just like our, our point of view is right. And no, everyone else's view, uh, view is wrong. And that's obviously like, that's so limiting. And like, I think that's super naive. Um, and if you tell people, if I tell like guys, like, look, you can have like full body energetic orgasms and you're not even hard. You know, like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you know, that's just so out of their minds. Like if we really go down like the tantric path and like understand like what's really happened, like ejaculation is just such a small sensation that is possible when you think about like sexual intimate experiences that you have, like the ejaculation is like, it's almost nothing, you know, if you think about like what's really possible, like you can have like full body, like shaking orgasms and you're not even hard and you like feel there's so much going on. We're just beyond like any experience that I had before that. And obviously it opened up my mind many years ago. It's like, wait a second, like that's possible. Like it takes all, all the ideas of like ejaculation is like the final goal away. Because now you know, like, wow, there's so much more, you know? Um, and I think semen retention is actually a really good thing to practice a little bit more to go into those kind of states. Yeah, totally, man. That's what I'm, I like. I'm advocate for taking a break from, from ejaculating. And, and 
you know, like I said, mine is, you know, I, I take a break for four weeks at a time, you know, from ejaculating and, um, and I encourage guys to, to, you know, experiment with a week and then, you know, experiment with 21 days and then experiment with, um, you know, a, a month and, and, and find your own, um, sometimes I call it an ejaculation cycle. Like your, your body, depending on how old you are, depending on how fit you are, depending on your diet, will have a kind of, and, and, and if you can tune into it, we'll kind of have this natural rhythm or this natural cyclical nature because we're cyclical beings, we're not linear beings of like when it is ready to ejaculate again and when you're, um, you know, and, and, and when you're able to tune into that and have a conscious ejaculation practice, you can use that ejaculation that your body's kind of ready to have in a really powerful way. And, um, and so like, just, just experiment. Like I, I just encourage you guys to experiment with like not ejaculating and, and, you know, see, push yourself. If you want to go 90 days, if you, I, I've known guys that have gone for a couple of years, supposedly, you know, that that's what they've said to me. I, there's no, I've got no way of confirming that. I just kind of take them at their word. Um, and they're, they're like, they're these like guys that are tapped into, you know, the, the, the cosmos. And I can't just sit down and have a coffee with them because they're on a, they're on another level. They're not just regular dudes. And so I think like, I don't think everyone should get to that level, right? I'm not, that's what I, that's another thing. I'm like, I don't think we should just, I don't think you should just never ejaculate again. I don't think that's practical or, um, or, or even necessary. I think there's, you know, some, um, groundedness that comes with ejaculation, particularly when you're practicing an ejaculation out in nature and you're consecrating it and you're giving it back to the land. It's a way of fucking connecting back to the earth. And, you know, I, I particularly like to ejaculate on the full moon because it's a way of me, uh, whether it, I feel this energetically or whether I feel this kind of um, in my body of connecting back to the rhythms of the moon as well, which is another, um, you know, uh, another for me connection to nature and connection to the planet and connection to, you know, something greater than myself. So that, that really grounds me at least. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, again, I, I think there's like, a lot of dogma in in the semen retention space and especially like um you know i kind of drifted out of the tantra community a little bit because i i saw a lot of things um that were just like very rigid and i was like oh, i don't really agree with this and so you know i started speaking about things that i disagreed with and then other people were like oh shit yeah we've noticed that as well and um and that's kind of why i've got a little bit of a of, of an audience now is because of the my takes on on the on the tantra space so yeah and that it, it's yeah it's an interesting um interesting thing and, and i i do get a lot of people who are avid semen retention you should never ejaculate again type guys and and women as well that that you know interact with me on on social media and um and i just kind of go okay cool there's another person who i'm not they're not the person i'm trying to speak to they're not the person that i'm trying to have a conversation with the person i'm trying to have a conversation with is the guy who's like or oh, what's semen retention you know can is it doable can i have you know can i separate ejaculation and orgasm can i have these multi-orgasmic experiences you know can i can i have a multi-orgasmic experience and ejaculate at the same time like whoa that's a whole thing that people aren't really you know aware of is that you can have a whole bunch of multiple orgasms and then you can choose to ejaculate at the end of that and like you know it can be an amazing incredible experience and um yeah, so I, I just like to, yeah, I like to offer a little bit more perspective, I'll say, a little bit more information and nuance out there um, than what's currently kind of available. Cool. Good on you, man. Like it. It's important, you know. We all resonate to different people, to different topics and have like different ideas about things. And I, I personally don't believe there's just like this one way. There are always so many different ways and you just have to find your own path, you know. Um, and just be open to adjust it according to like what's really going on and experiment. Like we're such big believers of uh, experimenters with Yogi Lab, like our online like coachings, personal growth uh, business. Um, so we use a lot of meditation and a lot of other practices to really like tap into like our potential. And that's basically what we share with the world. And the biggest one is obviously meditation. You know, I don't know if you ever heard, you probably heard about the past meditation. Yeah, yeah. I am um, actually um, I ordained as a Theravadan Buddhist monk up in northern Thailand um, several years ago. It must have been like seven years ago, um, and yeah, took my five precepts and my and my eight precepts. And yeah, the style of meditation they practice there is vipassana, 
um, and it was very intense, uh, I will say. <laughs> um, my personal practice of meditation now is um, uh, TM, Transcendental Meditation, um, which I studied over in Fairfield, Iowa at the Maharishi Institute. Um, Maharishi is a little bit of a controversial figure, but yeah, um, that's my I, that's my personal practice of meditation. And it's essentially just a mantra style meditation, which I find um, for me a lot more soothing. Vipassana for me was a bit intense. Um, so I liked the, the mantra style of meditation instead. Yeah, we... I'm I'm a big Vipassana meditator, you know. I, I love Vipassana meditation. Like the technique of the Buddha, like, you know, obviously he says like, like it's the way out of suffering. And every time I've done my 10-day silent meditation retreat, it's like it's life-changing, it's absolutely powerful and transformative. If you take out all the sankharas, all the like cravings that we have and like really break it down, down to like no no what's really going on inside with all the noise around us. It's so powerful. Like you can just know you you realize all the answers are inside. Yeah. And I think that's such such a powerful technique to integrate for everyone. And I'm super encouraging. Like basically all my clients, I have them run through a Vipassana retreat um as well. Because we offer yeah, we have a um we launched a uh, online Vipassana um, with Yogi Lab. So, like, my business partner, he's, he's a big-time master meditator. Oh, like, very, very successful. And, like, he lived for years. And so we created a whole online Vipassana. Um, so people can do it at home with all the instructions, guided discourses, you know, everything that you possibly need to, like, really access your own power and, like, really, you know, step into that being without all the shit that's going on around us. Um, and actually, DM, like we believe in Maharishi, the Maharishi effect is such a powerful tool, right? Uh, the phenomenon of like get 1% of a specific area together to become meditators and you increase the quality of that specific area. So life quality enhances and like crime rates and stuff reduces. Um, and it's been tested all around the world, you know, all the way to countries. So it's, it is proven it does exist. So that's why we have this mission of getting 80 million people together to become Vipassana meditators for us um, because that's 1% of the world population, you know? Um, so that's the big, big goal and mission for us. And so, yeah, Maharishi effect, super powerful Vipassana, like meditation, I just encourage everyone to, you know, start meditating, like go into silence, tap into your own self. It's so, so powerful. Um, so I love, I love that. I had a feeling that, you know, about the personal meditation, obviously, like you seem like a very switched on kind of guy. And I like um, how you, so you, I like how you said that your, your semen retention practice personally, um, deepens your meditation practice because I, yeah, I agree with that, man. I, I don't think those two things are linked very often. I don't see a lot of people, like I, I know people that practice semen retention and that practice meditation, but I don't hear a lot of them linking those two and saying, hey, my semen retention practice impacts really beneficially my meditation practice and takes me to that kind of deeper level. I think that's a really valuable insight as well, man. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, sure, bro. Cool, um, man. I'm, I'm mindful of time, man. And I'm wondering, is there anything else, man, that you um you wanted to share? Maybe a little nugget of wisdom or a little takeaway? I know you've just encouraged everyone to go out and meditate, which is fantastic. But is there anything else that you want to encourage people to go and do? Um, <clears throat> yes. I think besides the meditation, I don't want to sound like salesy and stuff, but what we launch right now is um, the Spiritual Hustlers Club, which is basically... Everything that we wish we would have learned in school and we didn't, like in terms of meditation, productivity, stress management, like, you know, there's so many things where there's wisdom from ancient times and like also a lot of cool nuggets from like nowadays and we just don't really have access to it. <clears throat> so that's like one of our big goals is like people that access. So it's a very simple like membership area. Um, like I said, I don't want to like end up in a sales thing here. Um, but like, you know, just check it out. Like, I feel like there's, there's so many things that we can do, but the biggest one for me is silence. You know, silence is golden. Silence is super powerful. And therefore meditation, I highly encourage it to, to absolutely everyone. 
Nice one, man. Thank you. And and thanks for spending an hour just chatting with me, man, and and challenging me and, and feeling receptive to be challenged back. I uh, I appreciate it, man. It's, I, I like when people ask me questions on my podcast. Uh, I feel like I'm not uh, interrogating someone then. So, yeah, thanks for being on, man. Oh, totally, bro. I, I love this conversation. You know, obviously, you're a pretty cool guy. Um, I love the way how you look at the world, how you weigh, you know, you're trying to integrate certain aspects of, you know, all around the world and from the past and the future. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we can all learn from. So there were things for me that I can learn from. And, you know, I hope vice versa as well. So I think that's, that's a big goal. Just help all each other, help each other to inspire and grow together, you know. Love it, man. And and yeah, um, I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit more over the coming years as well, man. And hopefully I'll make it to Bali one day and I can uh, I can hook up with you and, and we can have a bit more of a deeper chat. Be our guest. Come to our meditation center. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, man. Thanks. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. If you find value from this content, then I encourage you to consider becoming a patron on my Patreon account. You can find the link for that in the description below. You have access to a whole bunch of perks, including behind-the-scenes podcast footage, as well as pre-release YouTube videos and patron-only writing, as well as the opportunity to have your name either shown in a YouTube video or read out in a thank you during the podcast. So, like I said, if you enjoy this content and you'd like to support it and support me, then head to the link in the show notes below and consider becoming a patron. Thank you.